Yes! Welcome to Global Podcast Editors Chats. Yeah, we're just going to dive in. It's been a crazy, crazy day. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I am your host. I am the madwoman behind Podcast Editing Plus in all of its forms. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, feel free to uh, make com- uh, leave comments at any point about what we're talking about or something else that you have on your mind regarding podcast editing. We're going to do a quick round of all the lovely editors that we have with us tonight, and then we're going to dive into the nitty gritty. Uh, I just moved today, which is why I'm on a couch holding my microphone, which is not a great thing to be doing, but you do what you can with what you have at the moment. And that's where I am. So, Let's do this. Bethany, can you start us off with telling us a little bit about your your elevator pitch? What do you tell people about what you do? Thank you, Stephanie, first off, for having me. And I love that you are doing this on a day in which you moved because this is the quintessential of being a podcaster, right? Oh, you just moved into a whole new environment? That's fine. We got this. As long as we have our hardwired headphones and our mic. We're good to go. (laughs) So I am Bethany Hawkins. I am CEO and founder of Crackers and Soup, which is a podcast production and management company. And we do everything from launches to post-production to consultations. So that's, that's my very quick elevator pitch. Lovely. Jason, what's your elevator pitch? Hello, everyone. My name is Jason. I'm a podcast editor and author where I write about the finer points of audio engineering in dialogue and podcasting. Y'all are super prepared with that elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. And okay, because we're technically supposed to be global, but I think I am the global flavor, which is slightly scary. Um, Are you both in the U.S.? Yes. Yes. Okay, where okay, so I'm currently I'm an American expat currently in Rome, Italy. Jason, where are you at? I'm currently in Indianapolis, frigid Indy. I am okay. from equally frigid Massachusetts. Um, and I'd rather be in Rome, Italy. Like I'm super jelly. I feel like we need a little bit of context because we all have very different podcast editing lives. And I know it'll come out organically, but I feel like we should describe a little bit of our not setup, but our business, like what what do you do? Because I think we have slightly different existences. Is that even is that even a plural? Let's pretend like it is. Um, so, so mine's uh, to start off. Mine's a, a freelance thing that has expanded and is probably going to move into an illegitimate business legally in 2022. Yeah, and I'm still a solo operation, but I do have a couple of folks that I work with when I have excess work that I can't handle. Uh, But I'm not officially outsourcing very much at this point. Um, Jason, how about your setup? I am totally independent. Um, I think the thing for me is I tend to balance between working for producers and finding my own clients. And there's definitely pros and cons to each. I mean, it's nice to work with producers because they tend to bring steady work for you. They generally have some type of... um, some type of already established workflow. This is very easy to follow. So, you know, from a flow through standpoint, all the shows work the same. Uh, the the timelines are the same. The deliverables are the same. There's a lot of consistency. So I don't have to worry about a lot of the communication overhead back and forth. And I can just worry about this, you know, getting the, the best edit and the best sound on the podcast that I can. Uh, the downside is there's, they're kind of paying you like what they're paying you. It's just like their, their rate. As opposed to if I get my own clients, then obviously I can have a little bit more, freedom 
uh, over what I can charge for that. Uh, be a little bit pickier about the shows I actually take, but then of course you get all that administrative overhead that goes along with it. So it's always uh, some days it's it's like this, and then some days it's like this, depending on you know, depending on the month. If you know the producer is taking on lots of new clients, or basically I just have a really good out outwork or networking month, and I just kind of meet some people and I kind of get my own clients. So that's for me. Even I'm, I'm independent, I work for myself, but then just it really comes down to like what kind of client am I taking on. Stephanie, you prepared like the perfect lineup of businesses and individuals because we're all so very different. Um, I am an LLC. So, <laughs> so wow. <laughs> yeah. So my company is an LLC. I have team members. I have an employee. Um, and the as Jason was saying, I am like the one who vets all of our clients. Uh, we work with people all the way from the very beginning in which they're launching their podcast to post-production where they're just doing their, either if they have seasons or if they're just continuing their podcast all along. Uh, and again, we do, I do consultations. We do not only just the editing portion of it, but we do the whole roundabout back end when it comes to a podcast. We do the show notes, we do the copy, we do the title, we do uh, some of the social media graphics that our clients will then upload and share onto their social media. So we, so this is just such a well-rounded panel. <laughs> um, so good for you, Steph. It's, I wish I could tell you it was intentional. No, no, I opened up the calendar and you all signed up. This is what happens though. Every time we have one of these panels, it, there's, there's a, a theme or a balance to it that's different than previous ones. That's just so cool. But I wish I could take credit for it, but it's honestly just. The, the universe happening. Just the universe. It's the universe. <laughs> it really is. But it is cool how different our setups are. And that's interesting because before we were talked, before we went live, um, we, you, we, we slash you two were talking because I was still trying to set up the madness. That is my, my new apartment. Um, and you were talking about your team members and letting go. And I don't know. Like, can you, can what, Bethany, can you summarize kind of what, was going on there because I was coming in and out with the setup and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if Jason and I can recreate <laughs> that magic. But <laughs> but we were speaking about um, onboarding ad additional people on my team and Jason actually hiring for the first time a, an additional contractor to assist him and assist myself in regards to to editing or all of the things that encompass doing our our companies. Or businesses. And the thing that I I struggle with is not re-listening to what my editor has done and then editing again and trusting that I have contracted somebody who has the same ear and has the same vision. Because not only do we edit for equalization and noise reduction, but we also edit for content. So going in and making sure I I have ADHD. So if I hear too many likes, if I hear too many ums, if I hear I'm completely thrown out of that conversation. Yeah. So I when I'm editing, I'm always very cognizant of being a editor who is a listener and giving the listener the most and best experience that I can with my audio so that they don't fall out of the discussion. Because I know that I have a tendency to fall out if if there's too many moving factors when it when it comes to the editing. 
Do you know what? I want to hop in here because that brings up something that just happened this week. I tried to let go of some of my editing. Um, I'll be totally transparent about this. My husband has been helping me a little bit with dialogue editing. And I noticed that we had very different ears for different things we would take out and not take out. And I said, okay, let's gonna, we're going to reframe this and we're going to sit down and let's do a whole episode together. And I've never done this before with anyone ever when I was learning or when I was like helping anybody out. And so we sat down and did a whole hour long episode together and we would stop at points and I'd be like, well, what about that part? Or he'd be like, well, I think I'm taking this part out. And so we did it. And you know what? I almost want to build that into my new, like my onboarding with my clients to do it with my clients. Because mm-hmm. so I feel I have, like, yeah. I love that. So when I speak with my clients, when we're in in the launching process, I tell them, you can always take a pause. You can always snap your fingers and I will know when I see that spike, I know that you're taking a break and you're starting over or just verbalize, Bethany, that was a whole mess starting over. And I have no no qualms about that. It's it's when people flub up their words and they just continue going because they're horrified that, oh my God, it's, little, it's like, no, 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 take a breath. It's, it's okay. It's okay. But I, I really think that it's interesting because Jason is from a musical background. So when you, when you're doing your editing, I'm really interested in knowing how your ear interprets editing for podcasting because you have that very extended decades of auto editing for, for music. If I, I think, I can't say for sure, but I think the one thing I take away from working in music for so long as opposed to podcast editing is I think a lot of editors don't really get into content editing or they don't really think about it or they're like, oh, I would never cut anything out because, you know, the client may not like it. I think the exact opposite. And I actually edit very heavily. And not so much just like tons of small little edits and every little thing, but as far as if there is any doubt in my mind at all, if something should stay or go, I just cut it. And I don't really think about it. And it's in the years I've been doing this now, I've never had anyone come back and say, hey, wait a minute, there was that one really cool thing we had that people just don't miss. And I think the reason why I think that is if you look at the way and and really, I think the way like a lot of content is generated. Right. If you look at just movies or film or music or books or anything. I don't think you always have these conversations like, well, I don't want anything to be edited because I, I want to sound authentic. It's just like, trust me. Everything you consume is edited. Everything, every book you've ever read is on its fifth draft. Every TV show has been has been comped from multiple takes and edited and reviewed and produced and edited again. And like, like you buy an album with ten tracks, I guarantee they recorded fifteen, and they went through the entire process of recording and cut and comping and editing and mixing, and then they still cut the whole thing. They they looked at the entire sum total of thousands of decisions and edits and everything. And then they just cut the entire thing and it just didn't even make it. So this is the way I think it's like, it's there's just nothing's just precious. It's just, it just doesn't matter. And it, it, so that's why I think if, if, if there's any doubt, whatever, whatsoever, I don't ask, I just cut it and that's it. I love that so much. It's such a good point. I mean, we did two episodes about, uh, who was it? It was Ernest Hemingway. I want to say we started with the book that was edited. And then we backtracked and did like the journal that he wrote that it was then that it that it was turned into that it was fictionalized. So we went backwards. We did the fiction one first and then we went backwards and did an episode just on the the journal one. And I hated the raw stuff, which I was really surprised by. I was like, this is so terrible. I like how it was crafted. Oh, 
oh, I like the edited version better. And it surprised me. And I think that's true about a lot of podcasts is people are too scared to edit it out. But honestly, during an interview or during any recording and afterwards, people don't remember what they said a lot of times. So they're not going to be like, why didn't you put in that? um, Or uh, why didn't you put in that brilliant quote that I told you? Most people don't remember exactly what they've said and they won't notice. If you make them sound good, that's it. Done. (laughs) And I believe that authenticity doesn't mean that you can't clean up speech. Flow freeing thought has hiccups and that's okay. But in order for the information to come out, come across so that it is more reachable and understandable, there has to be that that little bit of process of content cleanup. And if you're an authentic person, you're going to show up as you are any living, like every single Sunday, like all day long, you're just going to be you. That's just who you're going to show up as. So for people to be like, oh, I don't, I, I don't edit because I just want to be authentic. Well, your dog is barking and your dog is authentically needing to go to the bathroom. So can we just stop the audio and take your dog out because it's going to take, it's going to be a nightmare for me to edit that out. Mm -hmm. So just being cognizant of when you're interviewing people and all of the surrounding background noises and saying to your guests ahead of time, you know what, if, if your gas, if the um, trash men come, we can just take a quick break, wait for them to go, and then we can reconvene. There is a power in the pause. And I think that that is not talked about enough in podcasting, especially for editors. Agreed. Agreed. And it's something I think we can tell our clients. See, the, my thing is, I hate saying everything all up front. I like kind of addressing things as they come. And so the first time that happens, I'm like, hey, next time that happens, you can do this, this and this. And it makes me so happy when I hear them as I'm editing and I hear them say, oh, hold on a minute. There's this sound. Or can you say that again? And I'm like, yes, it worked. <laughs> but Jason, I want to backtrack a little bit because you said, and is it called white label? I think I've heard that term recently when you're editing for others. Is that? Yes, it's white label. Okay. Sure. Okay. I don't know. Whatever it's called. Well, it's not, it, I haven't heard it in, in, in a context of editors, but it sounds right to me. Okay. So when you're white labeling, if that is a verb, it should be, mm-hmm. um, for other folks, do they mention the level of editing, like content editing or sound editing that they want? Like, how do they tell you what they want when they give you the podcast episodes? Uh, almost never. There's only been one time where I did a show for somebody else that I don't do anymore. And they were, they, the good news was they took the audio quality of their show to the highest degree of any show I've ever worked on. But they're one of those clients just that for whatever reason, they hated the sound of like human breaths. And they're like, we want literally every single breath edited out. And I would do, I mean, I would do like an hour long interview and I would make like 4,000 edits every single time. Um, and I guarantee if I missed like three, I would hear about it. Oh they would say at 26 minutes they, they, and I would go back and that, that client is no more and no one particularly misses them. But honestly, that's really yeah. the only time. And I think on it, maybe, maybe there's like one out of a hundred episodes where I may get a note ahead of time. It's just like, cause I've, I've done a couple shows with doctors. Uh, and so it's like, oh, so-and-so mentioned this one particular thing that may be right on the verge of like a HIPAA violation or something. So if you could just cut that one thing, that would be fine. But that's just, but that's not so much a stylistic thing. That's just, oh, that's, 
that would have been fine in personal conversation, but probably not the best thing for a podcast. It, they're almost always along those lines, but that's really the only, as far as like stylistically, um, no. So you're free reign to do what you think would make them sound best. Yeah. And there's some time, there's that's been good. one time where I, I did a, a show, uh, one particular episode where someone basically just told like a really, I mean like a 20 minute really off topic, um, fairly like tasteless story, I thought. And I literally cut the entire thing out. And that was, and then on that, I just sent like a note to the, to my producer. I said, by the way, the host went on for like 20 minutes about this. I thought the entire thing was not good for the audience. And I cut the entire thing. I said, if he has a problem with it, then let me know. And and he said, he just kind of laughed and said, okay, no problem. And it never came back ever. So. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Do you, do either of you, like, how do you ask people when you first start either working for them or with them or whatever preposition you want to use, um, what level of editing they want? Like, how do you approach that at the beginning? So I don't think that my clients know that answer. But other than I have I have a couple of clients that are audiobook nar- narrators. So they understand the importance of timestamping. And they also give me really stellar quality audio. So if there is a situation that they want something extracted, they know to put it on a timestamp and give me that heads up prior. Um, but the layman person that isn't in the audio community, which is the majority of the people that are creating podcasts, I feel, or, or at least that I've spoken to that are that are clientele, they don't understand all the all of the minutia when it comes to editing. Um, so I just edit how I want to edit. <laughs> I do what I want. <laughs> and then if anybody has any questions, they're not going to understand what I'm explaining to them anyway. So, <laughs> so. It is what it is, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there I think a, you it, just have to be the professional and you just have to do the job that they're hiring you to do. Basically, you can always talk about it later. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> very true. Very true. But you can have a, a heavier hand or a lighter hand when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I don't know if you, you, the two of you do this, but sometimes I can get a little bit too picky about what comes out. Not every um and ah, because if you take out too many, it gets clippy and stupid if it's not, if it's too close to a word, and that's terrible sounding. But I think I can start taking out rewinding and, and not rewinding, but, you know, going back and checking too much. Does that make enough sense? Or And I can get too nitpicky about it. And I don't think that's necessarily good for anybody involved i love that you brought that up and that is why i cannot use do you ever do a that? very popular program right now where words can automatically be taken out with one click i'm not going to name any names um but i loathe that program because it ends up sounding so choppy and there are times when a like is needed when you need that pregnant pause because the next impact that it's going to hit in that conversation is going to be profound. And if you take like and ums, the conversation doesn't sound natural. This is how people speak, especially if it's a, if it's a conversational podcast. If it is a podcast where there is an interview and there's voiceovers and you're, you're doing sound design and 
different type of show assembly, that's something very different. But if it is an interview style podcast and it's based upon that particular conversation, it has to sound natural and taking all and people breathe. Shocker. People breathe. It's okay. We need breathe. We need to breathe to live. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm still thinking about all of those breaths you had to take out, Jason. That's. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing about that question because yeah. I just onboarded uh, a new client this week. She has an existing show. She's been doing for about a year. And I think what, depending on what you're doing for a client kind of is, it's where you're starting from. So if someone's just like, I'm starting my very first podcast ever, then I'm probably not going to ask that person a lot of questions about how they want their podcast edited. But she has a phenomenal show. She's an absolute expert in her field. She is very articulate, very well-spoken. She writes all her skits and she's just a rock star. As I listened to the show and I thought, this is amazing. So and I asked her, I says, well, what do you require from your editor? And uh, just you know, basic stuff. And I said, what about like the style or the content of your show? She's like, the only thing sometimes when I'm doing monologues, or whatever, I just take a lot of spaces and I usually feel like I, I sound a little slow. I says, okay, what I will do is I will take some of those pauses and I will speed them up when it's appropriate. I don't mean at a dramatic moment in an interview with someone. I'll leave those pauses there. But if you're just doing your intros, your outros, and you're just being thoughtful and methodical about following your script and you don't want to sound too robotic, I'm happy to speed that stuff up for you. And that's about the only conversation we had. It lasted about as long as it took me to tell the story. And, and we've just gone from there. So again, just start again, if someone's just starting off, then um, I'm just going to make a lot of decisions for you. And then as you kind of grow and get better, then, then we can always talk about it. But it just, it just depends on where, where you're starting. That's incredibly true. And to be fair, I don't do launches. I know my limits and starting from the very beginning is not, it's like when I used to teach, I did not teach little children. I love them. They're so cute from across the room, but I'm not mm. good when they're right in front of me and I'm supposed to be the patient one. And it's the same thing from, I'm not compare, I'm not meaning to compare new podcasters with babies, but, um, it's a very different scenario. I just know what I'm not good at and I'm not good at everything when someone's just starting. So I do prefer to have someone who edited or had somebody edit before and then needs an editor after. So they have a little bit of a, a taste of what goes into being to having an editor. Um, but I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm curious about the tech. I'm seeing a lot more Instagram videos of podcast editors and you I'm sorry if you hear annoyance in my voice but I think there's a little too much emphasis on the technology that we use to podcast edit and I'm seeing a lot of flashy look at my amazing studio videos on on Instagram like going hire me because I have so much tech and I don't know have you I don't know what do you think we need what do you think we really truly need to be decent podcast editors can I answer that? Yeah. I think we need to train our clients on preparing themselves and their guests to record. Because you can have the most amazing pro tools. You can be an artist with it. But if they're giving you crappy audio, you can't polish a turd. Like you can't make a turd golden. So if they're starting off with really clean, great audio, we can just make it better and enhance it. 
But if they're starting off with with just trash because they're in an open concept house and they have no rugs and they don't believe in blankets and there's nothing that's going to absorb that sound and it's just reverb after reverb after reverb there's we're not magicians so i think that it goes back to, it doesn't even go back to technology it goes back to counseling your client if you can if you have that rapport with your client and you can say this is what i'm hearing and this is why it would be beneficial for you to go in your closet because your house is huge and you don't have any walls, then that's what needs to kind of happen more than worrying about, you know, let me spend $3,000 on this new fancy, pretty shiny toy. I would say just, first of all, everything you said is absolutely correct. Um, But I just thought of something. If someone had a $200 budget, Instead of buying a $200 mic, I would say spend $100 on a microphone and $100 on a floor rug. So yes. If you don't have one. Yes, to any ovation. Down, to knock down the echo. So I don't have to wait 15 minutes for Dialogue D Reverb to run. But also to piggyback that from a slightly different perspective, I think there's a lot of people, I see more and more questions all the time about people wanting to get into video. And it's like, I want to do a video podcast. And to a certain extent, um, it, it's a weird question because it's it's like, well, I, and I just thought of this analogy recently. So it's like, if a picture, if, if you have an audio podcast, it's like, well, now I want to do video. It's like, well, we've all heard the expression, a picture tells a thousand words. Well, does that mean that doing video is a thousand times more complicated than just doing audio? Probably not, but it's probably a hundred. And it's, it is a massive, colossal step in the amount of decisions you have to make up front, not only about how everything looks, how you're going to do the show, and plus not only that, the gear you have to do everything ramps up dramatically. So I would say if you are going to do it like a video, like if you're primarily going to do a video podcast, then you should do a good video podcast and you really should invest. But if you're just doing like audio only, just ATR into, into the laptop, you know, find a quiet time of the day and just focus and, and just get it done for sure. Okay. We're dancing around tech though. I'm, I'm, craving hearing what you use and that was my roundabout way to get around to that (laughs) and i think it's going to be very different answers because of our setups and our backgrounds so can i ask what do you use to edit i use hindenburg yes i didn't know that about you what was that hindenburg Hindenburg. okay right me too mostly kind of except i do do some video stuff on reaper jason what do you use okay i have a slightly contrary point on this um, to answer the question, I use Pro Tools because I have to use Pro Tools to work with the clients that I have. Basically, they're like, you can come work with us if you use Pro Tools. So I do. And and I've used it before and it's fine. And I like it and I'm incredibly fast with it and that's fine. However, I also believe that there is no, there is no one DAW out there. Okay. I've had I've had the opportunity to work with clients and they said, like, I already have like five episodes. I've already done rough edits of in Hindenburg. It's like, okay, do you have the advanced version of Hindenburg so I can get an OMF export? No. I said, okay, hold on a second. And I went and I bought a copy of Hindenburg and I said, send me your raw Hindenburg files. And then I did the export and I put in Pro Tools. And I did the edit. I also work with for clients that work in audition. Send me your audition file. I then take the audition file. So it's basically I use on my computer right now. I have Pro Tools, Hindenburg, Audition, um, Logic. I, I have like five or six 
and I wow. use them all on a regular basis. But be, because it helps me and it helps my clients. So I don't, but that, that's just me. I know a lot of people are like, oh, which DAW should I use? And the, my main answer to that question is, is like, on this is going to sound like a joke, but it's really true. It's just like probably the one that you think is pretty because you're going to be spending a lot of time looking. It's like the one that you should use is the one that you understand. And it's like all DAWs, they all do 10,000 things. You only need to do 500. And no matter how much you wanted to, there's always going to be 10 things that it's not going to do that you wanted to. So find like the 20 things that you're going to do a thousand times. So have the edit that you like the way that the software handles out the best and use that one. Now, having said that, I use Pro Tools and I spend an enormous amount of money on super high end plugins, but you don't have to. I just, I've just, again, coming back, come from music, like I've already had invested in so, like I've used the most expensive gear in the world. You don't need it for podcasting guaranteed, but I, I know the difference between a good plugin and a bad plugin. I really, I mean, small differences in software, I'm just very in, attuned to. So I, I just use what I like and, and I'm just used to it. So, yeah, I use Isotope before I use Hindenburg. So I, I run it through Isotope and and then sure. I insert it into Hindenburg and do all of, all of those other things. But yeah. yeah. Okay. And FabFilter is better than your stock DAW plugins there. I said it. That's all. Fab filter. Sorry, backup. What is Fab filter? <laughs> they're just they're just a plug-in brand that I'm I'm big fans of, but they're just incredibly oh. they're they're very high end. They're very expensive, but they they really are nice and they're worth the expense. But you don't you don't have to get them. You don't have to do it. You can use the stock plugins in your DW. They're fine. I just like to do different things. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with the booth playing around with different things and it, mm -hmm. it being fun and interesting. Uh, I was just curious about the the bare minimum that you all use. That's cool and. To be quite honest with you, I think reverb is my absolute worst enemy when it comes to my clients. And that, so I'm on a kick this year to a kick, a, a quest, or whatever, to find the best way to combat that in the best way possible. And I'm just hitting all kinds of walls. <laughs> Blankets. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best yeah, thing. On my end, because there's only some, I don't want to. See, here's the, th the the balance, right? With the clients is there's only so much I can do to train them to, to do what they're comfortable with that fits into their life. Because I have business clients who are super busy and they want to podcast, but podcasting can't take over what they're doing. So it's like, it's partially up to me. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get it as good as I can with the current environment of their place, of their recording space. So do y'all have any plugins that you really like for reverb? And I know I'm being really selfish right now. <laughs> I, I just, like if you, I just went down a really big rabbit hole on this because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an RX advanced user and I love their stuff, but um, I had a client that just had really, really, I was specifically hired just to clean up their stuff. And I, you know, I just opened up RX and I did all the stuff and I did my normal things. And uh, they're like, oh, can we do a little bit better? So I started just experimenting with different stuff. Uh, there's a company called Acon Digital. They do two programs, two plugins that are really nice. And they're one fifth the price of RX Advanced. They do a, a plugin. It's called D, it's uh, D Reverberate, D Reverberate something like that. And then they also do like their version of a dialogue isolate. Um, they are excellent. They run twice as fast as Isotope RX and they're a hundred bucks each. Jason, drop that link. What are you doing? What? You just, are you curious? <laughs> Trust me. I spent, I spent hours with the headphones on just going through and looking at oh, them and looking at them. Gosh. The Acon yeah. digital, they, they do a full suite. Um, 
forget what it's called, but you can just get those, those two. They're basically their D reverb and their isolate. They're very good. Oh, yes, please, please slip, oh slide in my DMs and give me that link. I will. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, you get standard, which is like 500 bucks. Then it's like a thousand to get up to advanced. It's like yeah. you can spend, you, you still have to get standard so you can get the spectral, yeah. uh, spectral denoise. But then you can spend like 200 more, get the extra two. And I feel like it's just as good. And that'll give you like 99% of everything you get out of advanced anyway. Wow. That's amazing. amazing. And you can run them as a plugin within RX, which is super fun. So you can still put them in your standard batch jobs. Really? Yep. Oh, I'm glad I got selfish there. Okay. Yeah. We're <laughs> definitely going to put some links in the show notes for y'all. Cause that's, that's amazing. I don't know because for me, like static, super easy, like between audacity and Hindenburg, I can get rid of that. That's, that's not an issue. Um, leveling and all kinds of stuff is great, but reverb is just, and I know there's a difference between reverb and echo and I keep hearing it. I understand it and it leaves and it doesn't matter right now. It's, it's um, I mean, it does matter, but it's yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Um, ah, is there anything that the two of you keep hitting in your own editing that you can't find the answer to, or that you feel like there's something else you could do or find, or you'd love to ask someone because we'll throw it out and see what folks come back with. Not really, but I I think that it's important. I like that you brought up leveling because I think that that's so important because I don't think people take into consideration the what the ear can handle, um, and really making sure that the luffs are are correct and accurate. So for in a uh, mono track, um, it should be sixteen. Where if it uh, is a track with with numerous voices it should be 19 and no more because there are some podcasts that i because in addition to podcast production i also review podcasts for a, a particular application and there are some podcasts that i'm listening to and i review and my eardrums are just humming because they're not leveling out the podcast appropriately um so just remembering when you're podcasting to keep your listeners sweet little poor ears in mind, because if they are deaf from your podcast, they're not going to be listening to you. (laughs) There goes that download. They're now deaf. They can't hear you anymore. Jason. I'm not sure. I guess I'm always, I guess personally, I just, I'm I'm always just going in circles. Um, You know, I'll go through a big dynamics thing and I'll go through like a big EQ thing and I'll go through like a content editing thing and then like get like have a new client come up and then that's a whole new range of challenges. I think um, this new client I I got on this week, uh, True Crime, which I knew was, you know, very popular genre, but I never worked on one before. And I think going into different genres and different types of interviews, it, it always cre- comes up with um, new challenges and new things. And it's just, some are more technical related, some are more content related. So um, it's just like every time I get a new client, something's always just like a little bit different. And especially if it's a new genre, then it's even more different. If it's a totally different tile, style of podcasting, then it's even more different. So just always just trying to go wider and just trying to find, <clears throat> you can go wider and you just kind of bring on more knowledge and you just kind of go deeper into that knowledge and you kind of come back up and you go out to the next thing. And it's always that kind of go out and then just like go as deep as you can and then like come back i'm just like okay now where else can i go and uh and see what's out there and then find another area it's like oh this is interesting i want to go deep into this area so and i think 
for individual podcasters, it's like, okay, so you start off, maybe text a challenge. Okay. Then, but then you get over that hurdle. It's like, well, what's the next thing? It's like, well, maybe I just need to work on boosting, you know, uh, getting a bigger audience. Okay. But, but then circle back around, it's just like, well, maybe I could work on my interviewing skills and it's just, okay, you know, do that. Or maybe I should pre-script a little bit more, or maybe I should specifically work on better follow-up questions. It's like, there's always, there's always something always something and you can look within podcasting but like think about like the interview it's like well don't you can go outside of podcasting look at um look at newscasters look at like you know the the greatest interviewers of all time like go watch like larry king see how he does an interview or something like that you know don't just stay within podcasts you can go outside you know go or so many people that came from broadcast so there's this i don't know there's there's tons of stuff out there oh yeah yeah the and uh, carrie coffee eric of Just Busters Mm -hmm. and Yaya Podcasting, she wrote something this week on Medium about um, cold opens and how too many people are just kind of following what they hear instead of creating their own stuff. And I'm I'm probably butchering the summary because summarizing is not my thing. Mm -hmm. But part of that is not spending enough time letting yourself go down those rabbit holes Mm -hmm. and not letting yourself grow, especially creatively, narratively as a podcaster kind of rushing through and just trying to recreate what other people are doing do you and i I need to make this a final question Ah, man i could talk to you both forever um do you think that kind of creative energy vibe skill tasks do you think podcast editing here's a better question do you think podcast editing is a creative task yes yes I'm so Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, I think, view it as a technical go in and clean up kind of mechanical, like rote kind of task. And it doesn't feel that way to me when I'm doing it. No, I think yeah. it's, I think it's an art form. Um, I love what Jason said in regards to learning. I am a big proponent of learning all the time. I I, I never try to say that I, I know everything. Um, I'm always learning from other people. I never say that I'm like the best editor. I say I'm the best editor that I am today. And hopefully I'm going to learn something and I'm going to be an even better editor tomorrow. As far as interviewer, same thing. Hopefully I, I, I'm learning and the guests that I have on my podcast, they're actually feeling heard and, and engaged in that I'm with them. And I just want them to leave that episode knowing that they were loved and appreciated. And that's truly an art because you're doing so many different things, just like with editing, in order to have it all culminate into something beautiful that you are excited to share or that your client is excited to share. You just, can we swear? You can't half-ass that. It's an art form. Yeah, yeah one quick yeah, follow-up to what she said. I think, yeah. and again, this kind of this comes back to my previous experience with, with music, is music used to be very corporate. You know, it's, it's like post-Beatles. And it was just like, oh, if I wanted to have a band, it's like you would go and you would get a label and you would go through that whole thing. And it was just very organized and there were gatekeepers and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically, that entire thing has kind of fallen down and it's starting to become very democratized. The way I look at podcasting, it's kind of like very much going the opposite way, where it started off and it was super rogue and independent. And now it's just like all these big companies were throwing like big money at it. And I think all that is... Maybe it's good for, I think it's, it's good for podcasting in some ways, but I think it's bad for podcasting in some ways. It tends to like silo people up and you don't, you, you don't have to, 
allow yourself to get siloed up. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. if you think about what you're doing as art, as it's like a form of communication, like some people dance or some people sing or some people make movies or some people start bands. It's like, you can start your podcast and you're like in the same club. So if you ask me, it's like, is editing an art? It's just like, yes. And it, the more I can, I can make it more artful. If you're come from the perspective that your podcast is art. So you don't have to say, well, how do I, it's just like, oh, how do I make money off my podcast? It's like, well, it it comes back to like your original why. It's like, well, why did you start a podcast? Did you start a podcast to make money? Well, then there are answers to that question and maybe you'll succeed or maybe you won't. But this, yeah, I don't know. It can be as artful as you would like it to be. It can just be a pure, there's, I think a lot of people dislike, aren't super popular nowadays with the idea of just like doing like a labor of love, but it absolutely can be. And you can do whatever you want. If you want to work with an editor to take kind of like, you know, help you in that creation of that art then you can absolutely do that. Which is why I always tend to say, it's just like, well, how do I do X with my podcast? Or how, I would always say, well, how do I do X with my X? Like you don't always have to listen to what the other podcasters are saying. You know, if you want to do a video podcast, you don't have to look at the video podcasters, look at what the film people are doing. Or if I want, how do I do a better script? It's like, well, don't look at how podcasts are doing scripts. Look at how playwrights do scripts yes. or just take, take it from everywhere. Take it yes. from everywhere and just make it what you want it to be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so, I can't, I can't even, I want to mic drop, but I don't want to drop my mic. (laughs) Yes. And I do think it's a creative thing. And I do think a lot of times people get caught up in the frenzy of podcasting that they ask the wrong questions and miss the creative opportunity that it can be and that it is for many of us still. Hmm. And I think that's also true for podcast editing, but Oh, I feel like I've kept you all way past our 30 minutes. I seriously, this has been really, really fascinating to talk to both of you on. You're please do know that you're welcome to come back at any point. Um, yeah, we'll be doing this all year as long as there's people who will come on here with me. And, and I will have my mic stand soon. I promise. <laughs> I do want to get this art that's above me because I think it's really pretty. That's I intentionally sat in front of it. And then realize that you could only see their feet, which isn't really useful, is it? Anyway, <laughs> let's go around and remind and tell folks actually where they can find you. Is there one central place that folks can take a look or listen at what you do, Jason? Um, I'm at Jason Shisley on Twitter, and my company is called Abridged Audio, which you can find at abridgedaudio.com. Love that name, Bethany. My company's name is Crackers and Soup, and I can be found at www.crackersandsoup.com. I'm on all of the social media. I am all over social media. I'm in these streets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Podcast Editing Plus. You can find us probably the most central place is, and this is very against uh, best practices again, over on Substack is the newsletter. In the newsletter is every single link to every place that we have stuff on the, on, on the internet. On the internet is an awkward way to say it, online. Thank you very much to the folks who showed up in the chat room. Hello to you all. And, um, yeah. And for those of you viewing this afterwards, uh, feel free to contact us. We'll have links to the things that we mentioned in the show notes realistically in a week or so and this will be available also in podcast form eventually because the host that i just switched to just went down so that's not working too well so (laughs) thank you all very very much